race is on, and the FIA has finally revealed the action it's taking after last year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix controversy. Michael Massey is out as race director, there's a new refereeing system in place, and changes to the way teams can communicate with race control. But will it solve the problems, and what has the FIA actually said about what went wrong? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and many more are Scott Mitchell and Mark Hughes. Well, Mark, this was in a way a bit of a curveball, wasn't it? Because it, it, it was all announced just as the Ferrari launch was happening. So we knew this was coming, but it just happened all at the same time. Yes, and we had, um, at the end of the day, uh, we had a, a new team principal at one of the other teams as well. So, yeah, busy busy news day. Yeah, no lack of stuff going on. And Scott has thoroughly enjoyed it. He was just telling me how excited he is on days like this. Although, as I started asking this question, he was he was having a big yawn. So it's it's taken it out of him. It's been a long day, but yeah, I was uh, just before we started recording. I was just saying to you guys, these 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 are the days I, I love because they're 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 flat out and they're so there's a there's an elegant chaos to them when you're working in a good environment and you're just sort of bouncing from one thing to the next and putting your faith in other people within the team to take care of certain things. Like just a little bit of background for the people that are listening when. We'd, we'd, we'd got past the initial part of the Ferrari launch. The news came in. So then I'm basically like ver- like digitally yelling to, to Mark that I won't be able to be in the Ferrari press conference. I'm going to have to take him up on his offer from earlier to man the Ferrari press conference while I deal with the FIA stuff. At the same time, Ed, you're trying to juggle the FIA, uh, the Ferrari press conference with uh, some early technical analysis of the of the new car with Gary Anderson we're all contributing to a a verdict at the same time on the the FIA stuff and 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 Massey being ousted so there's just so much going on and before you know it it, it's several hours later you're really tired but there's a there's a certain amount of satisfaction you get from these days that I just don't get from other days on, on, on the job. I know people think that like it's like going to the fun races and like that glamorous side of things is probably like the big perks. But I genuinely think like the, these days are the best things about doing this job. There's nothing more glamorous than the three of us shuffling our way to a Grand Prix. Definitely that's uh, that's what we associate with it, the glamour of F1. Well, lots has gone on. So we've got a few little areas we can break down. I think probably, Scott, we should start with Michael Massey because he's been the focal point for this he's not going to be race director but what's happening to him and who's taking his place yeah so basically um this has been uh this is a series of FIA changes around the structure of its F1 race management that has been announced by the new president Mohammed Ben Salayem and he has outlined uh, a few different areas but we'll start with this new race management team that's going to be in place. It'll be in place as of Barcelona for the first test, so it's effective immediately. Um, Massey is out. He will not be race director this season. He isn't necessarily out of the FIA altogether because he will be offered a new role somewhere else in the structure. He's not being replaced by one person, but rather by two people, and there'll be a rotation uh, between between uh, Niels Wittig and Eduardo Freitas. They are very experienced race directors from other uh, championship. Wittig primarily from DTM. Freitas, I think, has been World Endurance Championship, but his career, I think it's like over two decades or something like that. So they're both... He was uh, race director of World Touring Car Championship back when I covered that before I did Formula One. Aha, uh-huh, okay. So you, you know him of old then. So it was your recommendation. So, okay, that's good to know. But they will also be assisted by Herbie Blash, 
who will be the permanent senior advisor, obviously well known to pretty much everybody in Formula One, a long time right hand man to Charlie Whiting. Um, so that's the new upper level of the the race management structure that the FIA is now introducing in place of Massey. I think Massey's position was untenable. I've said this for a while, which isn't a particularly bold position to take, but I've always said unless there was some new piece of evidence that completely transformed our understanding of what went on. If people listen to our podcast after Abu Dhabi and the one we did on the whole Mercedes dropped appeal later on, we made our positions on what happened there quite clear. We, we definitely accept it wasn't the right thing. So I think Massey definitely had to move out of that role. I do think it's good that he's still going to be involved in some way because he has got a lot to offer. I don't think he did a perfect job as a race director. There were some problems there, not just in in Abu Dhabi, but I also don't believe that someone should just be cast into the wilderness forever for effectively for, for one mistake, but he perhaps can be better deployed elsewhere. Do you think Massey being moved aside was inevitable, desirable, Mark? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was um, both those things, really. Um, there was a little bit of a fear, I think, um, that the FIA may, may have just been hoping it would blow over, but I, I don't know if that was ever the case. Um, you'd have to be inside the organisation and know that. Um, but it came, obviously, as the transition time of the, the, the one outgoing president and the new president coming in. So I guess that was part of the delay, if we're, we're looking to, to why there might have been that delay. And then there was the investigation, and then he was presented with, you know, the, the full lowdown, and then he, he made his own um, decisions a few days later. So, yes, I think um, there was really no um, credible way that he could have been retained in that role Um and I have a certain amount of sympathy for him. There's no way I think it was a some sort of dastardly conspiracy. Um, I know that's quite quite widely held belief out there, but it it doesn't um, doesn't resonate at all. Um, I, I think he just made a call that was um, well, he wasn't empowered to make. He, you can argue some of the other calls he's made were good calls or bad calls. That's irrelevant. He, like the referee in football, they they can make those calls. They're entitled to make those calls, and it really doesn't matter if you think it's a good or a bad call. They're the referee. But what happened in Abu Dhabi wasn't that. He made a call he wasn't empowered to make, and that's just that's the one thing he cannot do. And he did it. So yeah, I don't think really he was his position was was, was tenable after that. It's fair to say that we all we all believe that this is Massey being removed from the position, isn't it? Uh, that's what all three of us think has happened. I'm sure it is. You never know exactly how these go. Sometimes it can be fairly clear that your position's untenable and you can work to move on. Sometimes you have to hint to them that they have to go. Sometimes you have to make it absolutely explicitly clear what's happening if, if they don't get it. But Massey's intelligent enough to have understood what was going on. As I wrote in our verdict piece on, on the site, I doubt if anyone has thought more about what happened at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix than, than Michael Massey, despite all the uproar there's, there's been about it. It's obviously been a, a big thing for him. So I, I'm sure he will have realised that his position was untenable. The one thing that is interesting is that we don't actually know what his new role is, which suggests to me they don't necessarily know exactly what it is yet, which is slightly odd maybe it's just a being kept as a as a secret and they do know but it would be interesting to know where he fits in 
with the structure because he does have a valuable skill set. He didn't become F1 race director by being an idiot. He didn't win a competition to do it, did he? He has value. So interesting to see where he pitches up. But the reason I ask the question is because we don't know. It hasn't been explicitly stated that Massey has been removed as a as a consequence of their review into what happened in Abu Dhabi and what they found to be an improper way of doing things. This is all stuff that we're inferring from what's happened because they are deliberately only being implicit with, oh, that, with, with what they're saying. That's because, as we've said, I think we said before on the podcast, the FI will never admit that things went wrong, will they? So you've, you've no, kind of got... Like, all, it's, it's all kind of... Yeah, it's implicit and it's, it is a tacit acceptance, but it's not an explicit acceptance. Yeah, I'm, I'm just that's as close as we, we're going to ever get. The fact what the, the action that they've taken is as close as we're ever going to get to the FIA saying, yeah, what happened at Abu Dhabi was incorrect. Yeah, and I completely agree. And, and my, my point, or the, I guess the reason for raising it, is that this is the part of, I think, what's been communicated by the FIA that uh, I, I agree is no surprise, but it is disappointing to me is that we do have this mix of concrete decisions, but implicit reasons for them because you only remove Massey if you accept that he has either done something worth removing him for or because you don't believe that he is capable of holding that position going forward there there has to be a, a motivation for doing that but there there hasn't been that explicit way of the FIA acknowledging that yes he did this wrong um which I think is going to be um I, I agree it's the closest we'll get, but it's not going to be enough for, for some people because it's sort of two elements of that are lacking transparency in what the FIA have done, it's sort of what they're still keeping secret, is exactly what the review uncovered because they're clearly not disclosing that. Despite all of that thing when they came out after Abu Dhabi itself and said that they'd, there'd be an outcome to this that gave transparency and understanding to everybody involved. We don't have that because they're keeping that that private. And that just denies full closure for everybody. I get that there'll be, there'll be a point where everyone's basically expected to just say, well, this is how it's been handled. It won't happen again, so we should all move on. But I get that it's going to be harder for some people to do that because ultimately, outside of the people who were at that F1 commission meeting on Monday or are in the FIA as part of this... Who actually knows what the FIA really thinks about what happened or what really went wrong, what the full logic and reasoning is behind these decisions? So I I completely get that they, they, they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't leave themselves open to, you know, being said, oh, you've clearly, you've just admitted that the result's invalid. Therefore, we have to challenge the outcome of the result. They, they were never going to leave themselves vulnerable to that. But it's just a bit of a shame because it just means that while we do have a decent first step here from the FIA, it's still one of those things that could have gone further in the interest of the transparency that they were promising. Yeah, and the bottom line is, ultimately, I didn't think the FIA were going to say, well, yeah, of course they should be more transparent, but the organisation isn't going to suddenly change overnight. It is what it is. I think they should be more transparent and open. They're not going to be. I did wonder if maybe there was a chance under new FIA president, Mohammed bin Suleiman, that they could make a bit of a change, but they seem to have kind of stuck with the way things are done. Perhaps not a, a surprise, not necessarily right but yeah ultimately they were never going to change the result were they as soon as Mercedes withdrew the appeal they accepted that lap 58 was going to stand or whatever they had asked for it to be rolled back a lap it wasn't going to be so Mercedes had accepted that Lewis Hamilton had accepted it doesn't mean they thought it was right but that was never gonna that was never likely to change even when the appeal was live but 
as soon as they withdrew that uh, that appeal, then it was completely uh, dead in the water. And yeah, closure-wise, ultimately, Lewis Hamilton fans will be furious pretty much forever about what happened there. Max Verstappen fans are entitled to be happy that it happened. Max Verstappen didn't create that situation. No matter what people say about the Red Bull lobbying, they weren't actually controlling Michael Massey, even if all the stuff that was going on was having an, an influence. So yeah, it doesn't create that that closure, but it was about as good as probably we were going to get from such an imperfect organisation. It's just quite old world in the way it does things. Transparency just isn't what they do, and I don't think it'll ever be what they do, uh, un- unfortunately. So yeah, I think we can all agree that Michael Massey being moved makes sense. So yeah, him being moved out of the race director role makes sense. We'll see how the how the split race director role works with the two who are doing it that's going to be something we can judge as the season goes on but there are wider changes aren't there scott now the details are a bit light on some of these things but what do we know about uh what was the the phrase it's a refereeing system isn't it they've talked about uh well yeah that is that seems to be sort of how they're quite keen to um how ha- best to put it like i guess characterize the race management side of things going going forward um, the and the officiating. So basically, this was always about more than just Abu Dhabi because Massey himself has been at the centre of some pretty questionable stuff from race control at times in, in his tenure. 2020 seemed to be a particularly bad year for stuff directly in, in his control. Um, I think we can all remember the um, the qualifying incident in, in Turkey in, in Q2 when Q2 was given the green light to begin when there was still a recovery vehicle in the runoff area at a, you know on a track where drivers had been going off with a lack of grip all weekend and that was just clumsily handled. There's been all sorts of stuff, the questionable stewarding, unclear messaging from Massey himself over what is and, and isn't acceptable. Even you know a couple of races before the end of the season last year, no drivers seemed to know exactly what you could do when you were racing, so th- there has been there has been a sort of lingering issue behind the scenes with F one's officiating, and that's why it's not just about changing the race director and changing, um, you know, who they have confidence in. It's also about changing things for 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 how that race management management structure will will operate. So it goes beyond just replacing Massey. The there, as I say, there'll be this rotation of the race director role between between two people that'll ease the burden over the course of the of the season for starters. But there, it, there's a lot more to it than that. There'll be a new virtual race control room that's been likened to football's video assistant referee VAR, but I think that's a pretty bad and lazy comparison, to be honest. Because as our one of our colleagues wrote earlier, F1 already has var because the stewards review all of the video footage anyway when they're making the decision so this is a this is a support group basically that will help the race director make decisions in real time um and as expected there will no longer be direct radio communications between team bosses and the race director himself they def- certainly won't be broadcast anymore so that was something that was a one-time thing in 2021 and the FIA says that's been done specifically to protect the race director from any pressure and allow him to take decisions peacefully, which I think, anyway, l- hints at one of Massey's biggest problems, which I just don't think he was that good under pressure. I think when it, when it got really high stakes and you needed an instant decision in the moment, I think he flapped a little bit. And you could see with the way that 
the teams would try to manipulate him with those radio messages that he was a little bit too susceptible in those moments. So I think that's something specific that they want to make sure doesn't happen to the new race directors. Um, and so th- there will still be a way to ask questions to race control and the race director, but it will be what the FAA calls a well-defined and non-intrusive process, which I think is going to be that team managers can speak to an intermediate body in race control before li- liaising with the race director if necessary. And the final thing that they've said specifically will be looked at is a reassessment of the procedures defining how cars unlap themselves behind the safety car. Now, I personally don't think this is absolutely necessary because if the rules had just been followed correctly, we wouldn't be in in this mess. The rules could have been followed correctly, but there's no harm in tightening up one or two of the elements of that just to make it a little bit simpler. So this is all part of F1 so-called refereeing just becoming a bit more straightforward, a bit more robust, and hopefully a little bit more transparent as well. I do think it's a good step. There's a lot of changes being made and seem to be changes in the right area. Um, But obviously we need to wait and see how it works in practice before we declare this to be exactly what F1 needs from its officiating. Yeah, it's important as well to ensure that the rules are saying what they intend them to say. And just little things like the lap cars thing. The word any is debatable. You can argue that case about whether that means all of them. Just make it all and then you solve the problem. That's tidy that up. And then make sure that the rules are known and understood. Because you'd have that incident with Perez at Spa, remember, where Red Bull had to persuade Massey that actually the regs didn't stop Perez from being recovered, repaired, and then starting the the farcical race. So, you know, you need to be across all the rules and maybe this more collegiate system will allow that to be the case. Yeah, and on that that point of clarifying w- w- what the wording means, I mean, it, 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 there's been an ambiguity introduced that wasn't there before, but by what what happened, and on on the point of any, it, if you read that particular rule in isolation, you think what's that word any there for? But actually, it's following on from the previous part of the the regulation, which was concerns whether the race director decides to let the lapped cars unlap themselves or not. So in connection with that, when you say any, it's because you need to use that word because you've given the race director the option in the previous one of whether to allow the cars to lap or unlap. But there's no facility and never had been a facility in there for some to unlap and some others not to. Um, and And that's where the ambiguity of, of of what happened in Abu Dhabi has been introduced. So that now needs to be clarified, whereas it didn't be before. But also I'd like to see um, something put in there specifically now about what happens if there's a, a, a safety car within, you know, six laps or something of, of the end. Is there a... Do we then trigger a set procedure? Do we then trigger a, a red, an automatic red flag, even if it's not a, a nominally a red flag type of incident? Is it, you know, do we do we need to do something? I personally, I'd like to see that. There, there were obviously, um, obviously, a lot of people that that came up with ways in which that situation could have been handled better at, at the time. I think we probably at various points have hypothesised that there might have been a window to just be a bit quicker with the recovery of the cars, start that process of un- the lap cars unlapping themselves earlier. Um, and then it would have still been a controversial and unwelcome finish for Hamilton and his fans, but it would have at least been done by the book. Um, now, I think the 
key question from this is whether this new race structure, because this is the big hypothetical question for me, is if this new race structure existed in Abu Dhabi, would Massey have acted in the same way? Would the same outcome have occurred? I think we have to assume that the FIA is confident, based on what it has learned from its review, that this new structure would have prevented that from happening. Otherwise, what's this new race structure? Be, what's this new structure being introduced to achieve if it isn't to prevent? the terrible situation that led to the review that's led to the new structure being implemented. So, But again, this just comes back to what I was saying about us having to infer what the FIA has concluded, what it's found, where it sees the problems, because they they, they just haven't been as clear as as they could have been around it, which is a bit of a shame because you, we, we, we don't know, for example, I think you mentioned it earlier, Ed, you know, has Massey been offered a job already and turned it down? They say that he will be offered a new role within the organisation, but we don't know what. We don't know what exactly the FIA is happy with about what Massey has done over the last three years. And if they just felt, oh, it was okay, you know, he was great in these ways, but it's just those high-pressure moments. He didn't quite nail them. There's been a bit of growing discontent, so we've got to just move into one side. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I, I do hope we get those answers in the in the coming weeks I don't know if we'll really get them before the start of the season to be completely honest but um, I know that the FAA just wants us to all move on from this saga now but I feel like they could have put a slightly better foot forward in helping us achieve that yeah it's just the FIA's way of doing things isn't it that's just what they try and do and you can tell them they should do it a different way and I'll just carry on it's a bit of a shame because you do have a certain responsibility to do that although for me the priority the absolute number one is to make sure that they get the changes right to prevent a repeat and ensure that the sporting objectives are prioritized and that if there are going to be ways to focus on the entertainment and ensure they deliver that that it's done within what the regs say because the sport's nothing without its regulations when push comes to shove mark one other thing that we haven't um mentioned is herbie blash is back. He's got a, a senior advisor role above the the two race directors. So he's someone with a lot of experience. He's probably uh, obviously worked very closely with Charlie Whiting for, for many years. So he's got a bit of that uh, knowledge to him. Is that a, a pragmatic move? Yeah, it's a good um, short-term move. I'm sure Herbie doesn't want to keep on doing because i mean he he retired sort of five years ago because he he'd had enough of the traveling and he, you know he, did, he didn't want such an intense sort of workload so but he's he's a good guy he's a very safe pair of hands and it's a it, it's a good um sort of stopgap to get to make the system have some robustness in its in its early stages because he's um He's seen everything. He, he could do the race director's job himself um, and do a very good job of it, I'm sure, but it's not something he will have wanted to do. Um, and he, uh, he'll have done this sort of just as a favour. And um, he's 73 years old. He's, he's got he's got his own engineering business to to run. It's not something he's going to want. He's, he's not looking at it as a, as a career move, let's put it that way. So, um, But you know, I'm sure it'll, it'll be nice to have him around again and um, yeah, it'll, it's it's a positive thing, but it's not it's not a long term thing. Yeah, a pragmatic move to bring Blash in to aid that transition, because there will be inevitably a period where everybody's learning their new jobs. So having a, a good, yeah, safe pair of hands, as you said, will definitely be very very helpful. So obviously, there, there's a lot of impacts on this. There's the way it'll be reacted to in the wider world. There's the impact it'll have on the perception of Lewis Hamilton's title loss, Max Verstappen's title victory. Scott said earlier that it doesn't quite create closure. What do you think, Mark? I mean, this isn't going to 
make everybody in the watching world forget about it and say that's all fine then. But on the other side, it should maybe prevent it happening again. So what do you see as the, the kind of wider things? What are people going to talk about in 20 years about this? Well, unfortunately, there'll be a little asterisk against the, the 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 winner of the world championship, and that's not fair. You know, not fair on Verstappen because he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and it, it also the the actions lost Lewis what would have been his title, so he's he's not going to be happy either. So, yeah, that's that's what happens when you don't follow the regulations. It's it's it, you can't put it right. It, there will always be. That little, and it's such a shame because it was one of the greatest seasons, maybe arguably even the greatest season we've ever had, and that it should just have this little, you know, postscript at the end is just so so sad. Yeah, I completely agree, and it's like um, it's like I keep going back to this point, but just if if they're not going to be upfront about it, I'm happy to just keep ram- ramming the point home because it's all about implications and, and hints. That that's one of those. That's one of those unfortunate things for me because it's it's that indirect admission from the FAA that what happened was wrong and therefore how the final race of the season concluded was wrong and therefore the way the championship was concluded and settled was wrong but without ever actually saying that that was wrong because the knock-on effect of that is exactly what Mark was explaining there which is just then the FAA attaches an asterisk to its own outcome and it's just ne- it's just never ever going to do that. I think... Um, I think the only other thing that comes out of this that's just worth mentioning is that we can probably take it as read that Lewis is 100% back now. Um, There was obviously never any public comment from Mercedes or Lewis stating that his continuation rested on Massey being ejected. Um, But I think actually having tangible change, significant change, targeted in the right areas would I would imagine that is perfectly satisfactory to Mercedes in terms of the FAA has done enough to show that it's taken this seriously and has put the right things in place to avoid a repeat and that it's only the beginning of a process because it does seem to be that the new president is is dead keen on on putting things right in terms of transparency and trust and and integrity so all of the hints over the last couple of weeks have indeed been that Lewis is preparing as normal and, and, and will be back and, and none of this. But I think that's, we've got a, by the time some people are listening to this, we might well have a have a new Mercedes in the world and Lewis might have even been on track in it. But I think um, for all of the question mark over his future and continuing, I think we can safely say that he is definitely back for 2022. Let's just finish off with something a little bit off topic. We have mentioned it, Otmar Safnauer, team principal at Alpine. We've talked about Otmar's qualities before, Mark. Good move from Alpine? Yes, kind of a very good move. Um, it, hardly a surprise. I mean, it's been it's been rumoured since the middle of the summer, hasn't it? But um, yeah, uh, that is. Uh, it, it needs it needs a bit of leadership, and he's um, he's he's got a good rapport. He's got good social skills with the people. He's got respect from his engineering background. He did a good job at. Force India through very difficult circumstances. So yeah, I think um, a good outcome all round. He fits quite nicely into the new structure that they've clearly put in place there. They've addressed the non-team principal setup that they had last year with the three senior figures. Um, Davide Brivio has been moved into a new role that sort of de facto makes him the head of young drivers and also looking at what other things Alpine can be doing which probably makes better use of his skill set because at times I don't think he 
was really able to adjust to the needs of, of F1 last year as racing director. Uh, they have a new uh, engine chief on on the other side now. Lauren Rossi is still there as Alpine CEO overall. So Otmar, I, I think it's good because they now have one single person at the race team at Enstone who has the autonomy requ- uh, required to lead that team properly. So I can see why it appeals to Otmar. I can see why Otmar appeals to Alpine as well. And it's just a structure that I think will suit that team better because it's a bit more conventional and it's one that will get the best out of Otmar and it'll be one that Otmar can do the best with. So I think it does make a, quite a lot of sense all round. Yeah, good appointment. Of course, they made some technical changes. I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before with Pat Fry becoming Chief Technical Officer. Matt Harmon is Technical Director. He comes from an engine background, interestingly. So one of the things he's going to be overseeing is that integration of the chassis and engine side, which is an area maybe where that team hasn't made the most of its work status over the years. So some good decisions there, but they're all going to be long-term payoffs rather than immediate payoffs. So that Alpine's launched on Monday, shortly before the the first test. So let's see how they go this season. Well, thanks very much, Mark Hughes and Scott Mitchell, for your insight. Head to therace.com and don't forget the hyphen. There's loads to read about the FIA announcements and also about the launch of the Ferrari. We've also got a podcast coming with Gary Anderson about the launch of the Ferrari. Do also check out our sister podcasts, including Ringback V10s and also our YouTube channel. The launches are coming thick and fast. As I say, a Ferrari podcast to come. We've also got, on Friday, a Mercedes being launched. So loads to listen to in the coming days from the Race F1 podcast.